1: you return that I might live In my Father's
2: house So we look at him as he overcame. We look at his perfect life, in which the Bible tells us there was no blemish or spot. We see him literally meeting hell at its worst, in mortal combat and overcoming it at every point. And what a difference this should make for each and every one of us, because we see him conquering in his life, his death, and his resurrection.
0: Pastor Mike has some good news to share with you today. You don't have to figure out how to be a Christian alone. You don't have to fight the schemes of the enemy by yourself. Jesus has already given you all you need to overcome this world. Just turn to his example of faith and right living that's found in the Word. Pastor Mike will encourage you to look to Jesus to help you resist temptation and put God's Word first in your life. Jesus has already done it all, and he did it so that you could have abundant life. Now, Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 5 for his message, How Faith Overcomes the World.
2: This evening, once again, we're back in our series in 1 John, so grab your Bibles. Let's just pick up where we left off last time. Actually, this evening's message is a part two of a message that we began last week. So 1 John, chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, and we'll we'll read that in a minute. But the title of this evening's message is How Faith Overcomes the World, Part 2. How Faith Overcomes the World, Part 2. So let's go ahead and read that text of Scripture, and then we'll ask God's blessing on the remainder of our time together this evening. How Faith Overcomes the World. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. So John tells us here in our text, for whatever or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Father, we pray that you would bless the remainder of our time together as we treat this text of Scripture once again. Lord, I pray that it would serve to increase our faith in you, because truly it it is our faith in Christ that enables us to overcome the world. But what does that mean? What does that look like? What's involved with that whole uh, process? And and so, Lord, just open up this text of Scripture to us. Lord, give us understanding. And again, we pray that uh, it would serve to help us to be overcomers of this present world, with all of its temptations and, and its sin and, and uh, attitudes and, and our enemies, and Lord, just do a work here in this place this evening. But Lord, minister to each one in a very relative and personal way as well. Now Lord, bless the remainder of our time together, let my words be your words, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus, amen. So once again, how faith overcomes the world, part so let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about what we talked about last time. And last time together, we established that it's not, it's not just faith alone that brings us this victory that we're talking about uh, this evening because faith is not an end to itself. You know, that idea would have faith, you know, because I have faith, I'm going to overcome. If you think about it, that would only be positive thinking. But that's not what John is suggesting here. You see, it is faith in the person of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he accomplished for us. He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Jesus the victor, the Lord of lords. Now, we want to work out in detail how this faith in Christ works out in practice and helps us to overcome You remember in the introduction last week I had mentioned that I've divided this subject, that is how faith overcomes the world, I divided this subject into two different headings. The first of which was passive faith. And really last Thursday's message was all about passive faith and what that means. And I'll go over that briefly again in just a moment. So the two different headings, passive faith and then active faith. Last week we talked about passive faith. And then this week, we're going to talk about active faith and what that looks like. Now, to rehearse what I've already mentioned last time together, let's go back and uh, I gave you a basic, simple, working definition of what I meant when I used that uh, phrase, passive faith. Passive faith is simply taking the raw faith that we possess and placing it in Jesus. Realizing our weakness our inability to overcome. Remember, Jesus himself said in John's Gospel in chapter 15, apart from him, we can do nothing. Let me give you another cross-reference. In the book of Proverbs in chapter 18, in verse 10. And by the way, both of these verses of Scripture we went into detail last week. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it, and are saved. So that's basically it. I hope that kind of gives you the understanding and an idea of what I meant when I used that phrase, passive faith. That's, that's basically it. Fleeing to Jesus. Finding safety in Him. Becoming like a little child. Completely relying upon Him for everything. Now, my, So that's what we talked about last time. Now my second division, the object of today's message, is what I call active faith. And this would include the activity of faith, the thinking out of the Christian gospel, and we'll talk some about what I mean when I say that, the thinking out of the Christian gospel. What does that mean? And what faith in Christ really means. It means working out the implication of that in terms of this fight of ours against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay, so with that said, how then does this work itself out? And that brings us to our first point this evening. If you're taking notes, write this down. First of all, and this is all a part of active faith. And when I use the word active faith, you would think it's like, it's still all of, all of which depends upon Jesus and what he's done for us. But this active faith, this, this part of this message, you know, is just how we work it out and the, things, the steps that we need to take. The first step is, I simply look at the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of this fight against the world. Basically, I'm suggesting that we ask ourselves this question, why did Jesus ever have to come into this world? And that's exactly how I'm working out my faith in Christ. Again, I'm looking at the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of this fight against the world. And in doing that, I'm working out my faith in Christ. You see, I believe, and I'm thinking about this now, why did Jesus have to come into this world? Why did God the Father send Jesus, his only begotten Son, into this world? Well, certain things we need to consider. First of all, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he became a man. But why did he do that? Simply, it was because of the power of sin, Satan, and evil. You see, Jesus came because he was the only way in which we could be delivered from the world. And this is the first thing that we need, or the first step that we need to take as we're working out this faith actively. We just simply ask ourselves the question why did God the Father send his son Jesus Christ into this world? He came into this world because. The world was dominated by sin. And it is only as I believe that Jesus is the Son of God that I begin to understand the nature of the fight in which I am engaged, realizing that I am absolutely powerless to overcome it. You know, people are so optimistic about this present world in which we live. People suggest, and you've probably heard this, in many different forms, in many different ways, People have suggested, well, you know, there's a new day dawning. You know, back in the 60s, we refer to it as the age of Aquarius. You know, it was interesting, I was driving here uh, this evening, and they have a bunch of archaeologists out at Yazgar's farm up in Woodstock, and they're trying to find the exact location of where the stage was. But the interesting thing about it was that it's been 50 years since Woodstock. Can you imagine that? Man, 50 years. I was just a teenager, really. Well, maybe a little bit older than a teenager. But 50 years ago, next year, it's going to be 50 years since Woodstock. How crazy is that? But back then, we referred to it as this new day dawning, as the age of Aquarius. Today, people refer to it in a bunch of different ways. You know, we're moving towards an age of enlightenment. We think that the world is going to get better. But the truth of the matter is it's only going to get worse. You see, those people who have suggested these things don't understand the true nature of sin. You see, sin is so tremendous that man is unable to overcome it. That is, apart from God. And that's the reason why God had to send His Son into the world. Do you see then how this enables us to overcome the world? So how can I overcome the world? unless I have seen the nature of the problem. But the moment I have faith in Jesus, and remember, that's what John is suggesting here, but the moment I have faith in Jesus, I begin to understand it. Only the Christian can see through this world. Because the truth of the matter is, everybody else is dominated by the world. They are governed by it. It's all around us. You know, just think about how people buy with one another in their so-called enjoyments all of their efforts to gain certain positions the excitement of it all you know all of which they believe the world has to offer them what's the matter with them that's the question well simply they aren't able to see through it hey the world the truth of the matter is is not a wonderful place those same people have been duped but the moment i become a christian i see the world as it really is, I've taken on a new view. It's a Christian's world view. And thus there is a detachment about us. It's sort of like we see it from the outside. It's not that we can't enjoy some of the good things. That's not what I'm suggesting. Don't misunderstand where I'm going with this message. But it's sort of like we're on the outside looking in. It enables us to see it objectively, because we know the fate of all those who are dominated by it. We know none, but Christ can deliver us from it. Not even some political party will be able to deliver us from it. So the solution to the ultimate problem of mankind isn't politics or some politician or anything else. You know, like, for example, having one party in rather than another party. The problem is The men who rule these parties are sinners, and they're under the domination and the dominion of sin. So listen, unless our congressmen, our senators, our speakers of the House, you know, give their lives to Christ, only Jesus can deliver us. So that's the first thing that we need to realize. And this is the way that we, you know, this is the way that we overcome the world. This is how we exercise this act of faith. It's in the realization of these things. Now, the second step that we need to take that falls under this category of act of faith, the men and women who believe that Jesus is the Son of God look at the New Testament records, and they see him as he overcame the world. They see him, for example, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4. Remember, after he was down at the Jordan River, and he was there either consecrated for his beginning his priesthood, or whether or not he was being baptized for the, for the sin of the entire world. Uh, take your pick, it's really open for speculation, but the Bible tells us that after that event had taken place, there with John the Baptist, remember the heavens opened, and, he, and they heard the voice from heaven, this is my son of whom I am well pleased, and John, you know, directs all of his disciples towards Jesus, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who take us away the sins of the world. That's the, uh, what I'm referring to there. But then the Bible tells us that he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, and he was fasting there for 40 days and 40 nights, during which time the devil came, and he began to tempt him. So we see him tempted by Satan in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4, but in all of those temptations, Jesus was a victor. He conquered Satan. And so, therefore, we see the devil defeated and giving up and departing from Jesus. We see him as someone who finally was able to be an overcomer. The last few moments of his life, before he dismissed his spirit, as he hung on the cross, he cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. And let me tell you something. That phrase, that statement that Jesus made was all-encompassing. It had to do with the the fact that he had finished the work that the Father had sent him to do, that through his death on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin, past, present, and future for the entire world, for those who would believe on him, that he would uh, make a way for us to be able to uh, enter heaven, to live with him for all of eternity, to be accepted by God the Father. So we look at him as he overcame. We look at his perfect life, in which the Bible tells us there was no blemish or spot. We see him literally meeting hell at its worst in mortal combat and overcoming it at every point. And what a difference this should make for each and every one of us, because we see him conquering in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And here again is something that enables us to overcome as well. You see, as I attempt to face the problems of life and overcome the world, I am aware of my own weakness and all these forces that are against me. But my outlook is immediately changed when I look at Jesus and see that he has overcome it. And therefore, there's hope for me to overcome as well. And that brings us to our third step. The next step by faith, I see myself belonging to Jesus. Now, this is really significant. I am in Christ is the New Testament phrase and term used about a person who was born again of the Spirit of God. That person is in Christ, like the branch in the vine. Remember that analogy. Uh, that picture that Jesus painted for us in John's Gospel in chapter 15. In fact, I used it just a moment ago as a cross-reference. What does that suggest? Well, it suggests that I belong to him, that I am a part of him, that I am a sharer of everything that belongs to him. And notice we are told here by John that the Christian has already come. Go back to our text for a moment. Notice in verse 4, he says, "For." Whoever or whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It's in past tense. The idea here is that we've already overcame. I have done so in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he has overcome. Because I am in him. And therefore, I have the capacity to overcome as well. And simply at once realizing This, my outlook on this fight, is changed. You know, listen, there'll never be any temptation that you'll ever come up against that you won't be able to overcome. You know, the real issue is, do you want to overcome it or not? The capacity, the resources, the power, the strength, it's all available to you. Well, you just simply need to claim it by faith. And that's what John is referring to here. That's that act of faith. You have to choose whether or not you're going to be an overcomer or not. So it enables me to see that I can literally draw strength and power from Him and from His fullness. You know, are you familiar with John's Gospel in chapter 1 and verse 16? Here's a a different spin on it. Maybe you've never considered it from this perspective before. But in John's Gospel in chapter 1 in verse 16, notice what it says here. It says, and of his fullness, and in context he's talking about Christ here, and of his fullness we have all received. You see that? Of the fullness of Christ, his strength, his power, his capacities, his resources, it's all there for us, for the taking. The idea here is that I have unlimited resources behind me. Why? Because I am in him, and thus I can therefore draw upon him. And there's no enemy I'll ever face that can withstand him. Now, that brings us to our fourth point this evening. Let's take another step. We need to remember, and this is just another way that we're working out this act of faith. We need to remember we're still working out this faith. That we're not perfect, okay? That there are times that we're going to fail. When we're going to go down, unfortunately, now listen, I'm not... You know, giving anyone license to fail or to fall into sin. But the truth of the matter is you're probably going to sometime in the future. And, uh, you know, we're going to let our guard down. We're not going to use those resources that I just mentioned uh, a moment ago. And what happens? The enemy comes in and the accusations begin to fly. You're never going to get the victory over that area in your life. You can't overcome the world. There's no way possible that you're going to be able to do that. You've sinned against God. What's the use of talking about your faith? Hey, look at you, man, right? And that only leads to our frustration. We, at times, become overwhelmed and despair. Now, there is nothing so precious as to know that Jesus is the Son of God, and he tells me, though I've failed... Though I've blown it, though I've sinned, let's go back to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 for a moment. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Hey, listen. There is nothing that enables me to overcome as that deliverance from sin and failure. That sense of despair that tends to overwhelm me when I feel I have go- gone down or I went down and cannot rise again. Have you ever been there? You know, when the devil comes and whispers in your, man, look at you. How long have you been walking with the Lord now? Man, you know, you keep falling into the same sin over and over and over again. Why don't you just chuck it, blow it? You know, throw the towel in. Just give up, right? Have you ever been at that place before? Oh, in times like that, you need to appeal to those verses of Scripture that I've just read. Because you see, and and it just encourages us to go on. And that's how we're going to overcome. Eventually, believe me, you'll overcome. But you got to take these necessary steps. This is that act of faith.
1: In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where
0: I long to be oh, my The book of 1 John teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. Jesus transforms you, beginning on that very first day, and He continues to do so as you allow Him access to your life. Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit HarvestNYC.org. You'll find them under the Resources tab. Come visit us, too. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit HarvestNYC.org. Or join us online to worship through the live stream. Each Thursday, we're also meeting virtually to step back into the Word and worship the Lord. We'd be honored if you'd join us. 7.30 online at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given and we'll use it to reach more people with the word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the donate tab at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. We hope you'll join us again right here on in my father's house. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.
1: I remember